Welcome to the Eastern Oklahoma Catholic Podcast, your source for all things Catholic in the Diocese of Tulsa and Eastern Oklahoma. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they asked Peter and the other apostles, What are we to do, my brothers? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is made to you and to your children and to all those far off, whomever the Lord our God will call. He testified with many other arguments and was exhorting them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 persons were added that day. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, to the communal life, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers. All came upon everyone, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their property and possessions and divide them among all according to each one's needs. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple area and to the breaking bread in their homes. They ate their meals with exultation and sincerity of heart, praising God and enjoying favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We have seen in these videos thus far that God created us out of love in his own image and likeness. Even after we sinned and turned away from God, he reached out to us and offered his grace. In Jesus Christ, we have the fullness of God's grace and truth. Christ brings about a new creation, and we are called to take part in this new creation. But what does this participation in the new creation look like? Unfortunately, in our world today, we have tendencies toward individualism, by which I mean focusing on the self to the exclusion of others, to the exclusion of the community a promotion of private goods over common goods. This can even influence the way we think about God and our relationship with Him. This can influence the way we think about religion. But this way of thinking about things is foreign to religion, the history of religion, and certainly foreign to biblical religion. Consider the Old Testament. God does not merely call Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, although he does. He doesn't merely establish covenants with Noah and Moses and Abraham and David, although he does, but he elects an entire people. So yes, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but the promises he makes through these covenant mediators are meant to be shared by the whole covenant people. And so in the Old Testament, we have the idea of the kahal, the congregation or assembly of the people of God. And we see continuity in the New Testament with the church. In Greek, the word for church is ekklesia, which means something very much like the Hebrew kahal. It indicates a people called out, called out from the world and set apart for God. A set-apart people is a holy people, and holy not because of anything the people have done to deserve it, but because of God's free gift. And so Jesus comes not only to save individual souls, although he does, but to found a church established on Peter and the apostles, a congregation of the faithful that will remain until the end of time, preaching the gospel 
and celebrating the life-giving sacraments until Christ comes again in glory. The church is given many names in the New Testament, but perhaps the two most prominent are Body of Christ and Bride of Christ. Just as in the Old Testament, the relationship between God and his people is described in marital terms, so in the New Testament, Jesus is considered to be the bridegroom and the church his ever faithful bride. To use the second image, Jesus is the head and the church is his body. We are individual members of the body, and though we have different gifts, talents, and offices, we're all united by the same Holy Spirit, who is often called the soul of the church. He's the animating principle. He's the, the life-giving principle of the church. This bride and body of Christ is, as we profess in the creed, one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. The church is one in her faith, one in her governance, one in her sacramental worship. She is holy because Christ is holy and because he died to sanctify her. Even when her disobedient children sin, and I know I do from time to time, she is faithful to the Lord. The church is Catholic or universal because she is meant for people of every time and place. Her message extends to every realm and region, wherever there are human beings called to be members of God's covenant family. The church is apostolic because she was founded on the apostles and their faith. The apostles were picked by Christ himself to preach the kingdom of God and bring it about in mystery. The bishops and their successors hand on the apostolic faith in all its purity and integrity. The church is also a loving mother. She gives us instruction in the apostolic faith and nourishes us with the life-giving sacraments. She continues the saving work of Christ until he comes again. And it's for this reason that the Catholic faith has always held that the church herself, like Christ, is necessary for salvation. The fathers of the church will say things like, one cannot have God as father who does not have the church for a mother. Now, some may not know about Christ or about his church or know that they are together as bride and groom, head and body, the way of salvation, in which case they may be excused. But for those of us who know that Jesus has established the church for our salvation, we need to remain in her, in her bosom. We need to hold fast to her and persevere in the life of grace and charity. And I think we can take as our model the example of the early Christians, especially as they're described in the Acts of the Apostles. They were on fire with love of Christ and were everywhere preaching his death and resurrection. They were gathering together in temples and in synagogues in those early days, celebrating the Holy Eucharist together and praying. They partook of the things of God with glad and generous hearts, and they were praising God without ceasing. May that be us today, joyful recipients of God's mercy available to us in the church that Jesus founded. If we remember our Christian dignity daily and invite others into it to share in it, the Lord will do as he did with the early church and increase day by day the number of those being saved. And I think that's the beauty of our mission as Christians. 
I'm here with Father Brian O'Brien in St. Francis Xavier Catholic Church here in Stillwater. Father Brian, thank you so much for having us here. It is a joy to welcome you here to Payne County, Oklahoma. That's right. It's a beautiful place. I've only been here a couple times, but every time I'm just shocked by the beauty of the whole thing. It shows that we can build modern churches that are still very beautiful. Fittingly, what we want to talk to, about today is the church. So we're in a church talking about the church. I thought we might start off by talking about why we need a church to begin with. Maybe God could have just related to us one-on-one, -on -one, personally, privately. We go to our room and pray in private. Why, why a church and why do we gather in churches? What do you think? Yeah, so I, uh, just that we need each other. Um, we were, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, uh, all through the scriptures, and, and just in, in sort of basic human interaction, we, we need each other. We need people in our lives. Uh, and so when God says, you know, that, that man and woman were made for each other, we were all made to, for each other, to, to help each other uh, along the way. And so that Christ gave us a church and told us to be the church, uh, it makes absolute sense because we need each other. Um, think about, I, I say to people all the time, you know, say, try to think about like living a, a totally solitary life. Um, and, you know, the introverts among us are like, oh, that's, uh, you know, that sounds, <laughs> sounds so great. great. Um, but but no, but no, it doesn't. It sounds great for like 12 hours yeah. or, a, you know, a day or a weekend. Um, and then then you need to eat. Well, where's your, you know, where's your food come from? Yeah, that's right. Um, you, you, you need to see people. You need to talk to people. Um, and some people, are, of course, are more social than others. But um, no matter who you are, we need each other. And so, you know, on this natural level, we're the kind of creatures that enter into communion with other people and we're perfected by those relationships. And so in the Old and New Testament, we see God having this communal plan of salvation. And so it wouldn't make any sense to have this, you know, assembly in the Old Testament and then have just, per, you know, individualized relationship with God alone without the community in the New. There's profound continuity between Old and New. And so in the New, we have the church. Okay, we're here in a particular church. There's this relationship, mysterious relationship between particular churches and the universal church. But what is it about this church that you think is so special? What does this church, maybe in its artwork, maybe in um, its paintings, maybe in the liturgy you celebrate, how does this church tell us about what the church at large is, what the church herself is? Yeah, so I think, first of all, um, the church is built for to to hold people. Mm -hmm. um, you can build something beautiful with no seats in it. Uh, you can build something beautiful that's very small. Um, this was built for this particular place, right? So this this part of Payne County, Oklahoma, this is the this is the Catholic Church, mm -hmm. and it was built with that in mind. And so it has, you know, as you mentioned, kind of all the modern stuff. We have a sound system, and we have a parking lot, you know, mm -hmm. and all of those kinds that we have an, a handicap accessible door, um, those kinds of things that they didn't have, you know, in the in the temple um, in Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, but then it also has some of the stuff that they had in the temple in Jerusalem, you know. A, a tabernacle and an altar yeah. uh, and, and beautiful art. And so it's meant to be a place where the, the people of God, anyone in this area, anyone passing through this area um, can come and have an encounter with the risen Lord uh, who is here, who is yeah. present uh, among us. And so it was built for people, you know, cause the other part of this, of this church, we have all of this. And then we have kind of down the hall, we have, you know, a place to, to gather. We have bathrooms, we have mm -hmm. a, a preschool, we have a youth center, we have an office, all of the other things that, that we need in order to make all of this 
run and, and be possible. So when we talk about the church, you've been mentioning this is a community, it's a communion, it's a, it's a gathering of people worshiping God. When does the church really begin? When is she born? When does she come on the scene in salvation history? Maybe we could talk about that because she's existed for 2000 years. So where do we point at as the place where the church really kind of makes her entrance into the world? Sure. I, the, re, the way I remember this is it was actually the worst homily I ever heard in a Catholic church. Now that's really don't, saying Don't something. say who it is, you know. Uh, it was one of my classmates in seminary. Okay. I'll, leave, I'll leave him out, yeah, no his name out. But he, uh, he, it was, he was giving actually kind of a fake homily of just, it was, we were in a practice class and he was giving a homily for Pentecost. Okay. Right. So Pentecost was the, you know, it was like the birthday of the church. Anyway, this guy gets up and he, he, he starts his, his homily by singing happy birthday birthday to the Catholic Church. And we were all just like, this is the dumbest thing yeah. I've ever seen. Um, but dang it, I remember it. Um, Pentecost was what was what started it all. So you go to the early chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, you mm -hmm. know, the fifth book of the New Testament. And what you find um, is the Holy Spirit coming down upon the apostles mm -hmm. and uh, they, you know, the, the amazing things happen, right? And they're given this power to then go out into the world and to, and to evangelize. And thus the church was born. Yeah. Uh, and we try to try to live that out here in this particular place and in places like this all over the world, we try to live out that, that Pentecost and, and what happened there guided by the Holy Spirit uh, to go out and to and to make disciples as as Jesus wanted us to. But anyway, it's ultimately where you know where where did we start? We started um, in that in that room in Jerusalem. Yeah, all those many years ago. Humble beginnings, right? But definitely small and small and small. Yep. You know, and I think you can you can also point to other places. I think you're right. Pentecost is really the place. Um, another place you might point to is you know Jesus's. Um, uh, establishment of the Eucharist, you know, the, the priesthood. You might point to the crucifixion itself where he bleeds, you know, blood and water come forth from his side. And so you have Eucharistic and, and you know, the church being born in that sense. Yeah, but I think you're right. Baptism, yeah. Baptism. But I think at Pentecost is where the church kind of inspires and empowers the apostles to go to the ends of the earth and preach the gospel and establish the kingdom in mystery all around the world. So I think yep. that's exactly right. Yeah. And, and, and even, you know, the very words of Jesus, you know, when people, when people say, I hear it from time to time, um, you know, when people say, you know, Jesus, Jesus doesn't care about the church or Jesus didn't, didn't, didn't like organized religion. Yeah. Um, it's, it's simply not true because you look at the, the Jesus's very own words. It's in the gospel of Matthew chapter 16 and, and Jesus points to the apostle Peter. Uh, we have a statue of Peter right here behind us. And he says to Peter, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. So, I mean, you have Jesus himself using the word church. Yeah. Um, and establishing that church built on the Apostle Peter uh, as the first pope, um, as his as his representative on earth, and there it is, you know. So off we go, um, and yeah. then and then over time, that church then gets established and organized and and grows, you know, from that from that original twelve to you know a billion people all over the world. So when we think about the church, this communion of believers. She's existed for 2,000 years. That's a pretty, pretty big feat, right? We, we live for about 80 years. We pass away. People forget about us. The church has perdured, has existed for 2,000 years. What is it about the church? Is, is she just a human institution? like other human institutions, or is there something unique and special about the church? Yeah, something, I mean, very unique and special. Um, partially, you know, one, I think one of the ways we can know that the church is divine 
um, is that it's still going despite our our many failures despite us you know despite our human weakness that the church has has endured um through all of these centuries you know and you look at the places where the church has been heavily persecuted and what happens it actually ends up growing yeah um you look at places where you'd think gosh there's no way that the the, the missionary zeal of the church will work in this place and then and then it does mm-hmm. um and it's so the power of the holy spirit behind the church that allows it to endure uh even even really difficult times even even the weaknesses of 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 humanity i'm um, including the weaknesses in our own leaders you know i mean yeah. one of the things i experience as a pastor all the time i'm in charge this is this is my parish um, the buck stops with me and sometimes I stink at it. You know, sometimes it's, uh, my, my own human weakness or my lack of patience or whatever it may be like gets in the way. And yet the parish continues on, um, through of course the goodness of our people, uh, but ultimately of the Holy spirit wanting this place to exist and to thrive. So here at St. Francis, I mean, yeah, the church will, God willing, of course, outlive you and outlive Father Healy and whomever else, but the church herself, you know, established by Christ, the universal church, is going to exist till the end of time. And that's hard for us to to grasp, I think, you know, because we think of things, you know, the United States has only been around for 300 years, you know, nations crumble, but the church remains. And that's kind of, it takes faith to believe that, you know, that the Holy Spirit will continue to guide the church. So the Holy Spirit is definitely key to understanding who and what the church is. But I think something else very important is the Eucharist, of course. The Eucharist is the source and summit of our Christian life. And what would you say is the relationship between the church, which is the body of Christ, and the Eucharist, which is the body of Christ? How would you articulate that? Yeah, I would say it. I mean, I think especially as a priest, I see it all the time. Um, This parish is most... We are most ourselves at Sunday Mass. Um, it's certainly when there's the most people here, yeah. uh, the most kind of different types of people here, uh, and it's where we come together. And so you go to you know the the, the Last Supper, um, Jesus surrounded by his apostles. Um, we have a beautiful image of it on the altar right here behind us. You know, and Jesus says, um, you know, this is my body and this is my blood, and then he gave a commandment. And he said, do this in memory of me. And the church has taken that quite literally, quite seriously. And that is we we, we do this. We, we celebrate the mass. We celebrate the Eucharist um, in memory of him. And we do it every day. Uh, and so it's where the church is most the church, um, yeah. where, you, you know, the priest at the mass is standing in the in the person of of Christ speaking the words of Christ um and and the apostles aren't aren't you know aren't there you know kind of lit- literally in, in in person but the successors to the apostles we speak the name of our bishop uh and then there's a bunch of people yeah um you know who are there uh, and we all couldn't be there at that first last supper uh, we weren't around yet but the church has given us Jesus has given us uh, this beautiful opportunity to be present at the Last Supper anytime we go to Mass. So so the Eucharist, this great gift that Christ has given us, the greatest gift that we can think of, I think the Eucharist actually gives birth to the church. It's what gives the church all her power and efficacy and, and purpose in the world. And then the church goes out and on every altar around the world, including here at St. Francis, celebrates the Eucharistic sacrifice until Christ comes again. So there's like, you know, Eucharist makes the church, the church confects makes the Eucharist. So there's this interesting, mysterious and it goes, yeah, yeah, dynamism there, which I think is quite beautiful. Well, and I think try to try to live without food. 
for, yeah. for you know, you can, you can go for a little while, um, but ultimately it's going to kill you. Yeah. And so Jesus kind of takes that, that very human thing about us, our need for food, uh, and, and then gives us not just any old food. Um, he gives us himself to feed upon spiritual food. Yeah. Um, the bread from heaven. I mean, there's all beautiful images all over the old and new Testament. He gives us that food to, to nourish us and to strengthen us. Um, and then at the end of mass, my, one of my favorite lines at the end of mass, not just cause it's at the end, uh, <laughs> And up comes coffee and donuts and yeah. get a chance to meet people. Um, but the, the deacon or the priest at the very end of mass, you know, gives us another command and that is just, and that is to go. Yeah. So we've been fed by God's word in the scriptures and we've been literally fed by Jesus himself. And now strengthened, we go out into the world to carry it on, yeah. to continue it on. It's awesome. It's awesome. And it's really when we are most um, fully the church. And I think that's one of the important things about places like St. Francis. I mean, we are very blessed in the Diocese of Tulsa to have beautiful churches all over the place, especially St. Francis. So this is a place where the community of believers can gather and we can draw others into the same community and express our Christian faith. So far from churches being unnecessary relics of a past age, because we live in a world of individualism and self-centeredness, we need the church. We need St. Francis. And I think that's, that's quite beautiful. Yeah. And I would say, you know, kind of two things with that is we, we built, you know, a, be a beautiful church. Um, but, but who, like who built it? Um, this was built through the generosity of the people of this place. Yeah. This wasn't like the bishop, you know, sort of magically writes a check and we get, you know, a nice big beautiful church. It was built by by the people. And who is it for? It's for for the people. Mm -hmm. Um and then we built it, you know, tall enough so that it can be seen from miles around. We have bells that can be yeah. heard from miles around that call people to this place. Um but I always tell people when people say, "Gosh, you have such a beautiful church." And I and I'm, you know, I'm sort of half joking in the in the moment, but but a but at the serious point behind it, and that is, you think the church is beautiful, like you should meet my people. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, if we didn't have this beautiful church, we would still have beautiful people. Mm -hmm. But man, you put them together and it's it's pretty awesome. It, it makes for uh, a very dynamic place because the beauty of the of the church architecture, the beauty of all of this, you know, draws people here so yeah. that they become then uh, a, a you know a greater part of of the body of Christ, which is exactly what we want. So that beauty draws them, but then the goodness, you know, the goodness of the people, the truth of the of the church's teaching, then keeps them here and forms them so that they're ready to then go out and and bring others in. Yeah, and that that changes the world, like you're saying. I think that's exactly right. Well, Father Brian, thank you so much for having us here. It's been awesome. It's a joy to have you. Just want to welcome everybody here. Anytime you're you're in Payne County, anywhere near Stillwater or OSU, uh, we'd love to have you here. Awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome.